0: This is a certified big Soy Naturals classic. I have a problem. I, I just want I don't want smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want smoke. I look like Jared Padalecki. I got them supernaturals. So my value right now is zero.
1: If you think about it,
0: AI is actually the fastest path to communism.
1: communism. When I smoke the blue and I smoke the purple. Smoking on the black because I wanna Aw, so adorable.
0: But you can't have it. it.
1: When I hit the blunt, it's a paper cut.
0: Enforced farming is
1: really not a vibe. Hello, pay pigs. Hello, patriots. Hello, perverts. Hello, prayer warriors. Prayer warriors if there are any of you out there, um, this is part two of the only trend analysis of 2022 that you will ever need. We're moving on now to pop culture slash politics, which are the same thing. If you mm-hmm. think that they're different, you need to decolonize your mind. We're going to be traversing back and forth between the worlds of celebrity and the halls of Congress, mm-hmm. just like Joe Biden. Just like Joe Biden. He's hanging um, out with celebs sometimes. He was hanging out with uh, yeah. Flop Livia
0: he was hanging out with the with the Jonas Brothers. With he the Jonas did the Brothers. he did the Joe Byron meme uh, with them. I did predict on my TikTok not too long ago that if this was the Obama era, he would have brought the Joe Byron guy, like, on to do like a little like skit, and then right at the end, Obama would come in and he'd say something like, "Uh, let me be clear, let uh, bing bong, let me be clear, bing bong." It really. <laughs> <laughs> It we, we really should have made fun of it more When it was at its peak I feel uh, like we didn't make fun of Let me be clear enough
1: People were making fun of Obama For all the wrong things But that was right there yeah. um, Do you remember like Joe the plumber From oh, the God. 2008 presidential election yeah. I don't know what everyone was on In the mid 2000s But people were <laughs> fixating on some really weird stuff Like well, all that of a was sudden the... This guy who He wasn't even like I think this was, that was the thing, is that he wasn't even a plumber. Like, he mm-hmm. owned a plumbing business, which yeah. is a totally separate thing. I can see how to the coastal elites um, in D.C. and uh, <laughs> the New York Times, they might think that, that that's the same thing as, like, being working class because, like, he might know what tools are. But, that but is you're not a manager. Well, you <laughs> not even a manager, an owner. He owned yeah. a and. What's his name even joe i don't remember mm-hmm. but that i do think he was extended on this one guy and he became like the barometer for whether or not like barack obama or john mccain could relate to the people and the answer is like neither of them can one of them it. was in the senate for like 50 years he doesn't know shit about being a person mm-hmm. the other went to the university of chicago and Harvard, like obviously, he doesn't know anything. His favorite food was arugula. <laughs> I hate, I hate. I think I've talked about this before that they ask the candidates what their favorite food is because you always get the most Ugh. depraved answers. And the I vanilla ice demo. cream. I don't need to know. When they asked Obama what his favorite food was, and he said arugula, I knew he was speaking from the heart because that is the. That is a stupid answer. That's not a food. Like, I, I mean, think, arugula is great. I love it in a salad. But like, it is it is a component of something. Like, you can't eat plain
0: arugula. You're supposed my, to say what your
1: favorite dish is. Like, is he eating a? Like, is he a rabbit? I hate my him.
0: my galaxy brain thought about why comedy in the Obama era was so lacking when it came to like direct parody of the president is um he was the first black president so first of all everyone was like a little scared to like make um like any like satirical version of him although at the same time they um had no options because uh, comedy was literally so white that they put fred Armisen in blackface uh every fucking saturday and just had him walk around and do an obama impression so it was this weird cognitive dissonance so then they kind of pivoted to just talking about joe and how he seems like kind of a doofus and i think we all kind of collectively forgot about that period where honestly the onion was kind of brilliant for that one point where they like made joe biden into this persona where he's like a complete and utter like LA jock where he just screeches into like the parking lot in his like fucking Lamborghini and shows up to like meetings like late uh, with a fucking like bang energy drink in his hand and shit. Like that was fucking funny. People
1: forget people forget, but I remember um, that Joe Biden was literally picked to be Obama's like running mate because Mm -hmm. um he wanted to Mm -hmm. seem more uh down with the racists and so it was like he picked this super conservative like in terms of democrats which is like basically the same thing um guy who was like a known racist so that he would be like no don't worry like white people i'm not gonna do anything to you um so it all it all comes back to barack the rock Hussein Obama, everything is his fault. We're Mm going to kick Kendall off big soy naturals for black history month. And it's going to be me and a bunch of my friends. And we're going to rank all the biracials um, in terms of, well, I don't know how many of them are good. Not that many, but definitely Obama will be at the bottom of my list. I've got it out for him. I'm tired of that man. And, and, um, I think that the conservative put downs were a little bit better back oh, then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll give it to them that bummer" and Obungler is like, that's pretty yeah. funny. I I have repurposed Obama um, for the communist cause, but like, let's go. Makes, Brandon is terrible. Just... It's so like, have you read uh, Baudrillard?
0: Oh, Baudrillard?
1: Or. whatever i'm not gonna pronounce french people's names correctly on this podcast it's baudrillard um (laughs) that's why we also say uh walter benjamin instead of like benjamin we okay so the let's go brandon thing if you're familiar with baudrillard whatever he's french um he talks about pastels and he says that pastels like aren't really colors they're like signs for colors and you would only know like what they're referencing if you know the original thing and so like pastels on their own are like kind of just like floating signs doing doing whatever to me that's what like let's go mm-hmm. brandon is as a joke where it only works if you know it in reference to like four it, other things and it, it, feels, it just does not stand up on its own it feels very similar I think they need to get a better
0: it, insult and i'm sure that they could come if, up with one joe biden's if I not make, i mean he's, he's if right i can for make jokes. a hyper niche like personal reference let's go brandon to me it feels kind of like when like a, a theater kid group in high school has some kind of like inside joke um and they just like say it all the time oh yeah um i remember in like i used to go to like a weird little theater camp like a local theater camp and they had this improv troupe there um that was like audition only and i everyone was like so like ooh you like yeah you have to be part of like the the improv group and they would do this thing where they would all wear like a button around their neck like a little necklace and when you ask them about it they'd be like i can't tell you it's like a secret it's part of like the improv group and every time i'd be like well that's stupid because it's just a button like i don't know what you could, ex- I don't know how you could explain it to me in a way that would be like deep and personal, because um, it is just a plastic button, rip, like around your fucking neck, and like that's kind of how I feel about Let's Go Brandon. It has, it's like part of a secret club um, that they think is like really, 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 really cool, and everyone around them just sees a plastic button tied with a piece of rope around your neck, like it's, just, it's.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying you can't insult Joe Biden. I just think. I think we need better My thing material. is if you want to say fuck
0: Joe Biden, just say fuck Joe Biden. I say it all the time. Like <laughs> One yeah. thing we can agree on.
1: So that's kind of on topic for um, what we're doing in this episode. We're doing some more trend forecasting, but yeah, again, we're talking about pop culture politics. So um, I'm going to I'm going to start us off. Why not? Um, my first prediction I think is is that uh, music like in terms of like garage band music is going to okay, be in yeah, uh, but like not very not mm. very well done. Uh, I it's going to be like Sons of Waves. Do you I do waves? remember Waves.
0: I do. Oh my god! Yeah, because
1: who's got a house? I don't know anyone that has a house, so they can't practice their band with their friends. So it's going to be like beep boot music trying to sound mm-hmm. like
0: garage band music it's gonna be very um, distorted um i think it's gonna be yeah. like like a lot like like just a lot of like distortion um and a lot of like noise music but like trying to give it like a pop punk harmony almost you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. my other i've got i've just got three music predictions um the next sad um not looking forward to this but white rappers everywhere like an explosion of white rappers it
0: was already kind of happening before covid but mostly with like youtube rappers suddenly becoming like chart toppers we had like joji Mm -hmm. god god i i can't even say his name without just like having horrible flashbacks to when people were just quoting filthy frank at me just like all this fucking time
1: I don't know who that is. I know um, like, that Jake Jake Logan yeah. yeah. Paul used to there rap was, there and there was know quite a bit songs, there was like a, a stint where a bunch of people I think it's white. gonna be like gonna be actual
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: white rappers like who are with, with Jack what's his face taking uh, off everywhere. Not going to say I'm not going to say that they're going to be good, but they will be taken. I mean, just Jack right? What's
0: His Face, and people will like them, and they. Will Jack What's His Face her. is taking off everywhere. Everyone loves him. the The guy who was in the uh, Lil Nas stuff. I always forget his Harlow.
1: He looks so different from what I thought mm-hmm. he would look like. Mm-hmm. I um, last year, for the first time ever, heard a Post Malone song. Oh, you've I, never heard? I'm very good at avoiding. Yeah, I'm very good at avoiding stuff
0: that I don't. How I at it? I am not at um, all in comparison.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> and I was so shocked because I guess I was expecting him to sound like like riffraff. Yeah, no. Um, because of how he looks, but he does not sound like riffraff. He's like kind of kind of sad. He's and sad and whiny. There's a little um, bit of almost. I only heard the
0: one. I mean, song. with the vibe, the vibe is very like the the like the vibe, like the aesthetic is very Kid Rock but the music is very, like, sad Mm -hmm. trap, which I think is, um, on its way out, honestly, that was my prediction for music, is that I think that, like, um, like, in my feelings, uh, shit is kind of on its way out, although I, I think there's gonna be an emo revival, but just in terms of sound, I think, like, the, the, like, I think the party music is on its way back, not just because, like, COVID is over, but I think that, like, the like like we've been even pre-covid we've been on like a down and out everything sucks kind of music trend everywhere in like every single genre for pop music for everything i think hyperpop has been trying to like kind of bring back the idea of like let's just do drugs and have fucking fun um not that i think that they were on drugs when they made it because i think that's a lazy analysis of like literally anything that's even a little bit subversive but more in terms of just like like sophie um arca uh, uh, hundred gags have been trying to do more of like a like let's have some fucking fun again um let's have a little party rock anthem um
1: okay is it party rockers are in the house tonight or party rock i think it is i think it is yeah party rock is in the house it's similar to um
0: oh my god
1: those guys are biracials (laughs) they 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 say so in the song which is how you know that someone is biracial <laughs> they're like pokemon where they always let you know what they are i couldn't tell you can't comment on was, that it's more but, just like when but, you were yeah. saying it in
0: the beginning i couldn't tell if like you were saying that as like a theory or whether or not you had proof <laughs> whether you were saying like i no, think they those in the they're song. biracial or whether you knew they were okay they they said it in the song okay
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i'm familiar with the isn't one of them um, his
0: uncle or something like one of, like that yeah so,
1: they're an uncle and a, nephew duo which what is what so weird. weird i don't know it's, why it's no, weird but it's it like just it's is. just
0: like when you think of like family duos or family like bands you think of like siblings moms and dads uh like even like parents and children well, Moms and dads
1: would just be they would be yeah couple, well it's like you know it's like Sonny and Cher family. is
0: like you know a duo of that like could technically be considered a nuclear family they had a kid ch- they had a kid yeah, the, the naked, naked brothers band, band. it's always Ooh, like by the way they only exist because of 9-11 you think of like uh, the Almond brothers the naked brothers it's like it's a, the Jonas, brothers. The, Jonas a brothers, brothers the Pointer sisters the Pointer sisters the even like um the Carpenter siblings you got the Carpenter's uh-huh. Um, there's si- a lot of sibling relationships, uh, not usually sometimes cousins,
1: right? Yeah, that's happened before. Like, what's her face from the Gilmore girls theme song? Oh, um, <laughs>
0: shit. No, I know what you're t- you, we have, we have like twin siblings. Is Tegan, aren't Tegan and Sarah twins? I feel like they're twins. Who Tegan and Sarah? I'm pretty sure they're twins i don't know that's not They look way too similar but that could just be a lesbian thing um (laughs) yeah you have like moms and daughters sometimes you don't usually have dads and sons i think it's just too weird um the the vibes well dads and their sons sons don't know their dads yeah they don't get along If, if sons are musicians they don't know their dads that's just a fact yeah um but yeah it's usually siblings sometimes cousins uh but not usually um but, like, nephew, uncle, that's just not a matchup you, you really see in music all too often. Um, it just doesn't seem like that close of a relationship that you would have enough to, like, collaborate and make a well, I a think music it's not duo. just that,
1: that they are collaborating, but also the kind of music they collaborated
0: <laughs> on yeah. is very funny. <laughs> Where they're just like, we um, are doing it.
1: But I, I support them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that song is good. I think it stands the test of time. Um, my final music prediction, and this one is one that I'm excited for, is that I think that Sky Ferreira is going to make a comeback oh, in a really big way. Thank God. Like, you know how everyone kind of decided to like Lana again this year? Mm-hmm. Where they, like, were revisiting her older albums. You'd notice that no one is ever talking about, like, like a honeymoon or like lust for life it's always like born to die or like mm-hmm. like people like ultra Violence also um and then norman fucking rockwell and like the, the newer albums but like the, the two that came after ultra Violence, no one ever speaks on those no. anyway it's interesting cause she had like some them. of her
0: biggest collaborations on those albums too like stevie nicks and like yeah. big big names that she's been wanting to like She'd been wanting to collaborate with for, like, a while, too, which is I just kind of sad. But
1: they just weren't... They were not good albums. But anyway, like, yeah, everyone decided, like, that they were into Lana again this year, which makes sense. Like, we, everyone was, like, inside and sad, and she's she's good for being melancholy and being like, remember the 50s? What if, <laughs> what if we went back to America and I was on a motorcycle and you were wearing jeans and I was wearing jeans and you... We're a dad. Um, (laughs) So it'll be like that, but with Sky Ferreira, which will be cool because Mm -hmm. like Nighttime My Time is an incredible album. I think it's going to be like revisited and remembered as this like critically acclaimed like pop masterpiece that it is. It's so good. I still I've been listening to it since it came out. I like never took a break from it, but I think it's going to be playing everywhere um, both like on social media, like and at like in person hangouts and stuff. And she said on Instagram that we are getting a new album from her this year. I don't know if I believe her. She's, she's teased us about that before. Um, but I think if that happens, then there really will be like a Sky Ferrara explosion and we'll probably see some like some Sky Ferrara suns. People trying to trying to do a copycat thing, and I don't know if that will be successful or not. But it would be cool if it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I think that um, pop music is going to start trying to make its way back towards like uh, party anthems. I think we're going to start seeing um, older party artists kind of like come back and do like. I think they're still going to do party music, but it's going to be a lot more like self reflective in a way mm-hmm. I think that like like people like sky and even like i think um like kesha was kind of doing this before COVID hit but i think that she's gonna uh, like as she you know gets more and more outside of her predatory contracts um she's going to be making more of that kind of self-reflective music again um you're seeing a lot of these people doing it like Rina sawayama mm-hmm. caroline polachek they're kind of doing like a very self-referential wink and a smile type of um pop music that i think is going to be even bigger in the next couple years uh speaking of yeah, what i think you're
1: thinking of is is nobody asked me if i was okay by sky ferreira Mm -hmm. like i am like upbeat but you know very and robin self-aware we on sad like, yeah,
0: her and Robin were on like the zeitgeist with that, and I think that's going to be um, a big pulling point Robin for a lot of people. It's so good. It's so it's good. So good. It's so Everyone listen to Sky She's great. Um, I think that speaking of music, I think that industry plants, um, somebody on Twitter said that they're on their way out, but I think that that's stupid. No. Um, because nobody can actually identify what an industry plant is. Like if you really knew what an industry plant was, you wouldn't get mad at Cerise on Twitter for saying that Avril Lavigne is an industry plant, which is just correct. Um, you wouldn't get mad at I me for saying. I were giving Avril a compliment. You you were, you were giving Avril a compliment that she's a talented industry plant, um, which is rare. Um, it, it uh, you wouldn't get mad at me for saying for saying that Taylor Swift is an industry plant. You know these are they're not neutral terms, but they're not necessarily it's not a slur either. And I'm saying that I think if industry, there
1: was a slur for Taylor Swift, I would use it.
0: I'm saying that I think there's going to be um, a lot of big industry plants, but not in pop music because that's just like it, it, that's just what it is now. That like that's what pop music is. You know, like uh, yeah, everyone knows so much it. Easier
1: right now to like <coughs> manufacture celebrity mm-hmm. um and i don't think that that's going to like discontinue at least until people rediscover the term and i think that this will happen not next year but maybe like 2024 mm-hmm. but when people rediscover the idea of being a poser and yeah. like selling out i'll well, um, we'll get to I, like I that
0: part because i do i do want to talk about it
1: um yeah i think that that's going to return i don't think it'll be fully here Mm -hmm. in 2022 but i think um i think in the like 2023 2024 it will like come back as a thing that people who are like fans of something or fans of a person like have an interest in them like not selling out and also have an interest in like keeping the community of people that, um, are like interested in those things, like purposeful, um, like gatekeeping exactly. is going to become cool again. That's, that's my list will be. I, I literally, yeah, we're, we're in lockstep. Yeah. I think, yeah, gatekeeping is going to become cool again. Probably not in full swing this year, but like it's on its way. Um, and I'm. I think that that's, like, fine. I think it's it's also connected to the, like, mm, how difficult it is right now to spot whether or not someone is part of a subculture or a countercultural movement, like, through aesthetics, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to adopt, um, like, all of the, like, visual trappings of someone who is, like, into something right now to the point where it's, like, I've got no idea, mm-hmm. like, you if you even can name five my chemical romance songs despite the fact that you're wearing trip pants yeah and so i think because there's less of these like visual opportunities to signify like being in an in group or out group people who are dedicated fans of something are going to like be more interested in protecting those groups um in a different way yeah
0: i think that um like, yeah, I think that people are going to be much more interested in protecting groups and keeping groups kind of small, um, especially in an era where like, it's just so easy for something to just take off and be complete and the community around that to be completely ruined. I think people are starting to get that sense again. Um, With the industry plant Mm -hmm. thing, what I was saying before is that I don't think, like, obviously, everyone just knows at this point, Like, nobody can identify what an industry plant is because pop music, like, in pop music in particular, because it's just so indistinguishable. They all are. Um, But I think indie music is going to have a lot more industry plants in this coming year. We're already seeing it, getting, like, profiles in NPR. We're seeing some certain bands that, um, should I even name... Go ahead. I, I mean, I just I mean, think we can do whatever we let's, want. Let's be real. Wet Leg is an industry plant, and we know it. Um, I do
1: not know who that is. Wet Leg
0: is a, is a is a new uh, indie band. They've been getting a lot of write ups lately, and I just um, we t- some of, some of our mutual friends have been talking about it a bit. And I just think that Wet Leg um, has some like interesting connections that they have made over the years. And I just think that at a certain point, like, like. Keep in mind when when I say industry plant, like I don't mean that they aren't work they didn't work their way up in the industry, but I am saying that if you know the music business at all, you know that there are times where a record company will um plan for when a band is allowed to take off, will plan when a band uh, what like will even plan like structuring a band in its entirety. Um, like, you know, like all boy bands, all like girl groups, those were industry plants in a way. Um, they are not like, like, and a lot of times they make up like these narratives about how they met and how they know each other. And they're not real or just even like solo acts. Like, let's like be real, like Taylor Swift or Avril Lavigne. They were people who, um, were assigned to the company to make music because they liked their demo. They kind of kept them in a freezer for a couple years. And then when they decided that there, there was an image that they wanted to, uh, like a trendy image or a trendy aesthetic that they wanted to capitalize on, they took that person out of the freezer um, and said, like, you're this now. And we think that like they know that this person has the ability to do it and um, the ability to make that kind of music. And then they assign like fifteen different writers to make that music for them, and then they make an album, and then they take off artificially because they've been pushing sales and artificially inflating things. That's what an industry plant is in, like a dictionary definition sense. Um, and I think. Do you think that we could be pop stars like I a Josie and the stars. Pussycats? Do you
1: think we're too old? I think we
0: could. I. You know, I think we could be pop stars. I think the thing is, is that I'm not sorry about pop stars. I think we'd be like, we'd be indie stars. I think that would be, oh, I, that could be something we could want do. To make indie music? Not like, not like, tr- I'm not saying we make what? traditional indie music, but I am saying we get written up by NPR, um, which would be fun. We could go to do a 15 minute, like tiny desk and bully them. I fun. am
1: not a senior songwriter. <laughs> I want to do na 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 over, like, a very heavy, well, they're, like, drumming. like, esoteric mm-hmm.
0: bullshit about pop artists, which also, by the way, I think the industry of um, analysis about pop stars is also on the way out. Um,
1: it kind of has to be. Yeah. Because every time, like, an even slightly negative... Or critical review of an album comes out, like the star will like sick all their fans onto that person. So I just don't feel like there's a lot of like interesting writing happening in all of the um, like major outlets about like music
0: right now. Hashtag deep, you know, uh, writing about like how actually this Taylor Swift album is so deep and like profound and amazing. Um, I just think that it's it's now like kind of a tired trope to uh, write pieces about how actually, did you know this like thing that you considered stupid and shallow is now actually really smart because that's what everyone thinks about everything that they consume now. Anyway, like that's kind of the modus operandi for how you like consume media online. um, Is that you believe that it is actually, even if it isn't in some way, you believe it is actually deep and profound and means something about society um and you are going to make like 15 different like twitter threads or video essays or whatever whatever about it like everyone's kind of a media critic now you know and I feel like media Mm -hmm. criticism unless you're us um and you're geniuses um (laughs) is going to be like I feel like the industry of that like the the content creation industry of that is kind of like on its way out in a lot of ways um yeah yeah
1: I don't
0: want to smoke I just want to smoke I don't want to smoke I just
1: want to smoke I- okay my next one is not very related to music at all um, but I think that political apathy is going to be like in in a huge way uh-huh. I think that um, unfortunately the pandemic has revealed to a lot of people like the uselessness of our different like state governments and stuff and the uselessness in voting and uh i think also the protests that happened in 2020 like that seemed to many people like it was like promising something big like that changes were actually going to come to like the very very racist structure that governs all of our lives Um, And then it didn't go anywhere. Like I'm already seeing um, articles about like different corporations laying off their diversity and inclusion um, staff, which is, I mean, I I think that that industry is, is bad. So that's kind of funny to me, but I think also speaks to like how shallow all of the promises Mm -hmm. that were made by people in 2020 actually were. Um, And I think that unfortunately when there isn't like, an obvious outlet to express that frustration. And to most people, there isn't going to be um, because they're not like where we are politically yet, and they mm-hmm. might not even be aware that there's a political option outside of like the United States two party system. Um, they will just turn to deciding to not care at all because they don't see. The point in caring about anything. Yeah. I need- and so I think for that reason, like things related to that are going to happen where um, I think political podcasts are going to fall off a little bit. Ugh. I don't think the, those pod save guys are going to be kicking it um, in the same way within like a year or so. I'm relieved. <laughs> I don't know others, but I, I think people like that's going to be less of a form of entertainment soon. Also, I don't think you need to be. A genius to know that the 2020 midterms in the United States are going to be a shit show. Mm. Obviously, like the Democrats are going to get their asses kicked, and then like it'll just be a really bad time um, for for Joe Biden um, <laughs> for the following two years where the Republicans will be in charge. And I think that from there, like socialists will probably get blamed, um, and it'll be that like. There, it's a very um. It's a tale as old as time that whenever like a like a Democrat loses, they blame like people that are uh, more radical than them for the reason that they lost, and I think that as a result, like all of these different little groups, um, and larger groups that have been putting a lot of their organizing effort into pushing more progressive like Democrat candidates are going to um, collapse a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a little, uh, struggle of faith in like 2023. And they might splinter into groups of people who like genuinely really wanted to do electoralism. And then like the more radical people from those groups are going to, to form their own factions, because I think that that moment is going to signify to a lot of people that like what they thought was possible, through like traditional electoral means is like not possible, uh, at least right now, and are going to either decide to just like leave those movements altogether or become more radical as a result. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely see that. I think anecdotes that are going to happen in the midterms, I think two big websites are going to get dunked on. And that's going to be, I think. First of all, I think Snopes is is like absolutely about to um, collapse under the tension and the weight. I think a. Some oh, we're gonna big, bring
1: that. Yeah. we're gonna make that happen, also. Yeah, we're gonna make that Upcoming happen. Episode. We're
0: we're, we're, <laughs> we're dismantling Snopes one brick at a time. Um, but I think that like the uh, the concept of like media literacy is going to be a big talking point during the midterms. Um, so Snopes is going to like, try to capitalize on that. And then someone's going to bring up the fact that the fact that, um, mm-hmm. the founder of Snopes was, uh, found guilty of plagiarism multiple times in multiple instances. Um, I think that the next thing that I think is going to happen that I think is going to be really funny, um, is that I think that, well, not even funny. I think that at a certain point, I think that people are going to forget, collectively forget that we all decided that we hate Nate Silver. Um, and they're going to start using 538 again because they're going to be so anxious about the the midterms. And then you know, bolstered by uh, new website traffic, Nate is going to start tweeting again, and then everyone's going to dunk on him again um, for being Nate Silver and thinking well, that and he'll numbers. Well, nobody does his
1: 2022 predictions
0: wrong. Yeah, I love how he's wrong all the time and with math. But he was
1: right once. <laughs> he, was he was right once.
0: once so yeah i think Uh,
1: i don't think that she will lose in um like the midterms or any upcoming like election probably not Mm -hmm. like anytime soon because it's like new york you know but i do think that aoc's flop era oh it's begun begins now it begins now i think her like her time as the the apple of the eye of i don't know like people on twitter who have black lives matter in their bio that's over with like i think that (laughs) she i like i think her her like straddling the line of like celebrity and politician who is like widely uh we're not widely because there have always been people that really didn't like her but who is like well respected and loved by like a very loyal faction of people that's over with Mm -hmm. and it's not just like her but i think that figures like that mm-hmm. um are just like not going to be what people are interested in right now yeah. and i think it's like there's going to be pressure on people like her to deliver on things um and to like maintain some integrity that i think uh, elected officials just like are not really capable of doing because of the position structurally in. Yeah. and it's yeah and it's going to lead to like disillusionment with um
0: like characters like that yeah like political idols in some way uh the feministas um i think bernie will be safe though i think i think people is gonna be fine um mainly because he's i
1: don't think that people are gonna decide that they don't like him anymore i think there
0: are people who already have decided that they don't like him who are probably he's probably gonna make some face somewhere and they're gonna say something about how he's a misogynist, and then follow it up with... Well, okay, uh, but those
1: people don't count. They're not people. Yeah. Those are are people who, like, take talking points from MSNBC and only live online. But I think that, like, Bernie Sanders will be safe because to many people he, like, represented a very specific, like, moment of hope, either in 2016 or 2020, depending on, you you know, who you are, um, or both times... And I think that people like see him as uh, a little bit more like beyond reproach than someone who's like newer to politics, mm-hmm. like
0: AOC. Yeah. I think that's, that's a big part of it is just, he's just too old guard um, to be considered. Like he's
1: a, he's more of a figure than he is a person yeah, he to, also, to many
0: people. He also just doesn't seem like the type of person that's going to be um, brought down emotionally in any way by being canceled online. Um I feel like if somebody told if some, you know, intern told him, Mr. Sanders, they're canceling you. He'd be like, and whatever, I'm going to go do my job until I die. And then that's going to be it. Whereas like, I feel like if AOC gets on one of her little live streams during the midterms and tries to explain electoralism for the 500th time, um, and then eventually gets asked to do real things, um she will have a a crying breakdown um not because she's a woman but because she's it
1: is funny when she cries it is is a little funny like (laughs) those those pictures like the the staged photo shoot at the the border hilarious to me
0: i think kamala harris is gonna do something
1: really stupid um not but that kid you can't even call that a prediction
0: no, no i I, no, I, I mean something i mean stupid. during the midterms i think she's going to take um like what i was going to say specifically is that i think she's going Sorry. to stab a lot of her fellow women fellow women democrats in the back somehow she's going to find mm. a way to like uh basically just not give verbal support of any of them Um, and if some of them lose, I think she'll be blamed in some way, um, for that. Um, people, people who are, you know, a little more MSNBC brained uh, will be shocked and appalled at the idea of a woman not supporting women. Um, there's going to be a lot of discussion around like women supporting women because there's going to be like a lot of, like you said before, people are going to have their, the image of like, uh, you know, feminist politics, politicians specifically, is going to start f- crumbling. And with that, you're going to see a lot of people like grasping at straws, like why, 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 oh God, why did my my little uh, action figures not pull through for me? Um.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that even though like political apathy is going to be a thing that many people are going to be experiencing, I, it's, it's happening now already, but I think that the labor movement, um, is going to continue growing. And I think that those things are actually like related where people don't necessarily see like an avenue for change within, um, like traditional electoral means. Um, but have seen already in the past year, a lot of like major wins that have come through like workers organizing mm-hmm. together and I think that like the labor movement is probably going to grow in a like pretty explosive way in the next year where we're going to see like people organizing like pretty small workplaces that like aren't a part of like big corporations um, you know that are just like owned by one person with like a staff of 30 people and like, unionizing or um, staging some kind of like work stoppage or something there I think that there's going to be like I think more like large organized strikes and I think that for anyone who's like interested in like politically radicalizing people I think that like finding a way to spend time like within the labor movement or like doing some of that organizing themselves and then doing political education alongside it is is really like where um, like your your avenue for success is going to be because I think that like starting next year like, telling people if we just vote, like, something is going to happen is is really not going to be effective mm-hmm. with a lot of people. This last election, I think, has, like, ruined a lot of people's, um, like, remaining shreds of hope in the system if they had any. And um, most people are just going to choose to check out. Yeah. And then um, maybe, like, some people will become, like, radicalized through that, but that usually doesn't happen without someone, like, helping you along. Yeah,
0: so I would... I think we would both recommend that if you are already, which hopefully you are, if you listen to us, um, that you, you know, do some of that work for the people in your life. Maybe your mom that watches a lot of NBC um, to just kind well, also of like
1: talk to your coworkers, yeah. like
0: talk to your coworkers, you, like you
1: can be a part of like organizing yourself um, if you are interested in like, defeating um like this overwhelming sense of apathy that i think is going to happen and i think like regardless of what um like our listeners individually do i really do think that like within the next two years like some pretty huge things are going to be happening among workers and like whether or not they're successful i think is going to depend on how much public support they get and how many people are participating and what their goals are and um like how much solidarity they have with other workers but i see that as as being like the i'm hoping avenue that
0: people like want to mobilize for change i'm in. hoping that as that happens we start to see some discussions about uh listening to those workers and their demands uh of the people um because they are very different than the demands that they have for the company um like you know, is, yeah, you know we've, we've had some thing- Difficult to put those things in an Instagram yeah, infographic, Yeah, and It's very difficult to put those in millennial pink and on your Instagram feed and in four slides. I know, I know, but I think that we need to start thinking about how we listen to workers rather than just thinking, if I just boycott it, it'll be, that's my contribution. Um, you know, there's there's yeah. many things you can be doing and sometimes boycotting isn't the way to do it. Um, sometimes so, boycotting is counterproductive. Yes, it's, sometimes it's counterproductive. Sometimes it's actually not good for um, the people who are... Okay,
1: we, should, we should stop like indirecting yeah. the Kellogg strike. <laughs> that is what we're talking about. And um, on December 14th, um, Kellogg's workers who were going on strike did ask for people who are supporting the strike to boycott Kellogg's products. Before that, they were like explicitly not doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason for that is like pretty simple. When they were on strike initially, Kellogg's had not like tried to hire scabs like in huge numbers to replace them. And so people not boycotting Kellogg's and like continuing to buy products like as they had been in the past creates the same amount of demand um, for those products, and there's like
0: no workforce, you know,
1: not enough workers uh, or workers at exactly. all, depending on like what part um, you're talking about to to like fulfill those demands, and so that creates a lot of pressure on Kellogg's to like come to the bargaining table because they want to maintain like the same standard of business as they had before. But then when they started attempting to hire tons of scabs and like had done that. Um, It doesn't like function the same way to not boycott them because now like these products are being delivered to you um, regardless of like whether or not they, you know, negotiate with the workers involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so boycotting is now signaling to Kellogg's like, we're not going to buy things until you um, negotiate with the workers who are going on strike. And that's why it's very important to listen to what the workers who are organizing ask for and not just assume that um what you think might be a helpful thing because it like seems right um is is a helpful thing because workers have different strategies for different actions um it's it's you know it's like it's fine like to want to be helpful yeah um and it's not everyone's fault that instagram infographics are just so so bad we're gonna make a but whole episode on, get... in,
0: on instagram infographics yeah, eventually but we <laughs> all need to get a
1: little bit better about just like asking where the sources are for things and then going to the sources ourselves and then evaluating whether or not uh that makes sense yeah and if like workers are Uh, taking action around something and someone tells you that this is what you should do to support them, you should just like go investigate that because it might be um, truthful and helpful or it might not be. It's really easy to spread misinformation even by like people who have very good intentions and like only want to support
0: the workers involved. It's, it's very easy anyway. to, to get roped into someone who you like just a stranger online speaking with authority, um, because they are, they have conviction and they have a clear passion for this and they want some, but they want to help, God. but they they I mean, might also the be fact, severely misinformed. like
1: The fact that people who were posting like the same little infographics about, um, like black lives matter and police brutality in 2020 we're also posting things about like cuba not being intersectional enough um the following year (laughs) is i think really telling that like people who mean really well and who even like have the same you know like set of values that you and i have uh can like do a lot of harm by not investigating what the sources of things are. Um, Everyone has so the as, ability to be a big dummy. Yeah, as the labor movement takes off, uh, you know, just maybe go, go look for sources on things yeah. and maybe get your information from places besides uh, just Instagram. Or even so, if you're older, like Snopes 538. Yeah, <laughs> so like, do, not, eat, you do not think that you're better than the Instagram girlies if you're on Snopes. <laughs>
0: if you're just like it's just it you like I've noticed Who gets their news from there? Is that, that is that a real thing? I've noticed a lot of people they'll like they'll look it up on Snopes and be like, No, it's not true. It's it's all on Snopes. Or they'll say things like, you know, I'm different when I use Twitter because I follow journalists. Um Okay. That- <laughs> I don't
1: want to be a man right now, but I will be brave. We need to teach the kids about logical fallacies. <laughs> I don't want to have to do it,
0: but uh, it,
1: yeah. Well, maybe we should put it. Maybe we should
0: put in our own Instagram infographic. Maybe that'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Number one, appeal to authority is like not a complete argument. Uh, <laughs> just saying that you saw something on Snopes does not mean that it is true. You've gotta back that up.
0: Yeah. With I a think
1: convincing argument aside from that. I think I don't want to smoke, I just wanna smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just wanna smoke.
0: Speaking um, of discourse, because um, we're talking about culture yeah, and that's yeah. a part of it. I think we're we're already seeing a lot of people, you know, in the past like two years talk about media literacy, but the way they talk about it is very vague. Because um, they don't actually know what that means, and they don't actually know what you're supposed to do. Um, they assume it's just you Google it, um, but that's not true um, at all. So I'm like, what I'm hoping for, but what I think is also going to happen is we're going to start to see, especially as like these big events start coming up, um, especially with the midterms and everything. Um, like I said before, there's going to be a lot of talk about media literacy, but I think we're also going to start seeing some like Twitter mega threads about what media literacy actually means, and they will be helpful. But then we're also gonna start seeing a bunch of debates with each other about you're not doing it correctly. No, you're not doing it correctly. You're not doing media literacy correctly. So let me iron it out for you right here, right now. Media literacy, is, media literacy is, and I'm not gonna use the dictionary definition here. I'm just gonna tell you straight up what it is. Uh, it's quite literally when you are reading a piece of media, and you read it critically. And that includes for anything you are reading. If you are reading an article on a journalism website, such as the failing New York Times, and you are reading it, and they are giving you a certain perspective, the idea of media literacy is that you are aware that this company, right, this journalism outlet, wants you to have a certain view of this. It's these are concepts that you teach children in when you teach them how to watch like a movie with like some kind of analytical perspective. You just you teach them what is the movie trying to tell you about this character and their morals and their values. And that's what like a piece of journalism is trying to tell you. What is this company owned by? Where like who are they partnering with? Because there's a lot of different sponsorships that can come into contact with um, and like sister companies and companies that are owned by other companies that can come into contact and come like, you know, basically create conflict between what is actually being said and what is trying to be conveyed. That is what media literacy is. And if anyone just tries to tell you that it's just googling or just researching, um, I my 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 big issue I think a lot of the time is that I don't think a lot of people consider research and. Uh, googling to be a learned skill. And I don't mean that in a pretentious way. I mean that in a way of like, I feel like a lot of people just tell people to just Google things, or tell people to just like do things um, without recognizing the reality of the situation that we're in, where we are at a point with um, the web, where there are resources right on the front page of Google that are meant to uh, misdirect you completely. Um, from learning the truth about something. Um, They are meant, they, the Google algorithm, and I think we'll probably go into a whole episode on media literacy, but the Google algorithm um, in its history initially was just meant to show you search, like basically anything that you search, it would just show you those things in order, right? Usually by date for a while. Um, And then once they uh, realized they needed some kind of profitability market, Um, They started realizing they need to start getting into like algorithms and data mining and figuring out what exactly will, uh, using, you know, predictive algorithms to figure out what exactly would uh, fit with your biases in order for you to buy things. So um, when you look up, you know, certain phrases, um, if you looked up, do vaccines cause autism, and your algorithm is already kind of predisposed to show you.
1: A and, thing. and do they? And just, yes or no? No.
0: <laughs> no. No. It'd be cool if they did. It'd though. be cool because um, then we'd we'd all be autistic. That'd be really fun. Um, it would. It would genuinely, and it's not even a joke. Um, That's my stance. <laughs> I genuinely, wholeheartedly believe
1: that mm. it would be cool if the vaccines did cause autism. Mm-hmm. But also, like, there's so many vaccines, yeah. so that wouldn't really make any sense. because like, they're all composed differently. So how would, you, like, how would each of them give you the same result? I think they'd have to each give you a different.
0: Anyway, I think, sorry, yeah, but, the vaccines don't I mean, cause autism. Main thing is that I think we're going to see a lot of discussion about what we're starting. We're going to see a lot more specific discussion about what media literacy is. But make no mistake, it will be annoying. Will be very annoying discourse, annoying. Um, just like every discourse, it will be extremely, extremely annoying. And I think that um, the other piece of discourse that I think is just going to come up more and more, although it already has been, is uh, choice feminism is going to be the big phrase of this year. I think. Oh yeah. I think that's going to be the big phrase.
1: I have some some feminism predictions. Um, I uh, actually was yeah I, I um, have this too that I think that we will be responsible for it, but I, I think it might happen um, uh, despite, uh, or, or like maybe not despite, I think it might happen regardless of what we do, that I think that the Dworkin style strain of radical feminism, which is different and separate from the, the dog-brained like trans-exclusionary radical feminism that truly is so so divorced from like any uh like feminist theory or analysis or praxis it's it's just like people shrieking about how upset they are over trans people like they don't read the books that are like associated with the style of feminism that they like align themselves with um so it's it like a separate thing um but like The Andrea Dworkin, like, school of radical feminism that I think I would associate with people um, declaring that choices, even when women make them, are not, um, like, exempt from feminist analysis, that they aren't good choices just because, like, a woman is making them, that, um, like, our choices are not separate from the world that we live in. And that we are influenced by like patriarchal culture, cult, uh, patriarchal culture to make the choices that we do, um, and like just being more critical of like women who are in the public sphere, maybe making choices that are like bad for other women. Uh, whether it's like a politician who is uh, you know like enacting policies that like harms women overall, but like touts her win. Um, as like a win for women because it's like a symbolic victory or a celebrity who's like behaving in a way that like invites um, a lot of like sexist responses for the sake of like making money. Like I think these are things that people are going to become more comfortable with
0: critiquing. Especially we've seen that Um, with like the term girl boss becoming like, completely falling away from being a sincere term and being completely derogatory, you know? Right,
1: yeah. Like, I, I think that um, the the era of, like, celebrating women's choices for the fact of them just being choices is coming to a close, um, as well as, like, the, I don't know, the era of just, like, wanting women to do things for the like for the sake of it like being women doing them without like mm-hmm. thinking more deeply about like how that affects women overall or if these choices that are being made like does anything to the ad- advance the cause of liberating people from patriarchy Women are definitely... um, which i think is is actually like the key difference between like um radical feminism versus like liberal or choice feminism where choice feminism is about women being equal to men um, and having the same things that men have and being on an equal playing field as men versus radical feminism, which um, should be about like liberating everyone um, from patriarchy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which does and should include trans people. Um, Unfortunately, the term radical feminism has like totally been stolen by some freaks that, that don't know anything, but I think that we can take it back. And I, I do think that like, there's going to be something that happens um, within the next like year or so. And it might come out of um, maybe a disillusionment with, with me too, yes. as well, Yeah. where I think people are maybe recognizing mm-hmm. that, the institutions that we've set up are like not ones where women can like truly be equal to men and also like questioning what it means to be equal to men. I feel like it's not a big enough part of the, the me too narrative that like Harvey Weinstein's lawyer for a long time was Lisa Bloom, Mm -hmm. who is like a celebrated feminist lawyer.
0: Um, (laughs) People really didn't Um, talk about that. Like absolute betrayal. Um, top ten mm-hmm. anime betrayals, literally, like it was truly yeah, I mean, gutting. Gloria
1: Allred's daughter. Yeah, Gloria Allred's daughter. Like that's a, it's a, I think like indicative of uh you know how little the individual choices that like individual women make have to do with like the betterment of women overall, and also like the betterment of everyone who is harmed by patriarchy. Um, and I think that like. In the same vein, something interesting is going to happen with people aesthetically too. Where right now we're still in this moment where you can call yourself a feminist and then uh, do some like interesting things with the way that you look. Um, I think the whole like bimbo uh, movement that happened like last year is a good example of that where I'm not saying that you can't dress how you want to and be a feminist. But I think that if you're dressing in a way that purposefully is done by you, not because you just like those things, but to appeal to the male gaze, but then say that you're doing it to be subversive, but the only thing that you're doing that's subversive is saying that you're being subversive. I don't really think that that... It's going to be a
0: similar vein with alt culture Where it's just like if you're not being subversive Like the poser thing like you're saying In the next couple years is like going to come back Along with gatekeeping yeah. I think it's going to be very so similar I with think feminism there's going to be
1: a desire to signal That you are um, like a feminist And there's not going to be a lot of people That participate in this Because like feminism has never really been popular It like took off in 2014 In a very like um commodified sort of way but i think that there will be like a significant um like minority of people who identify with this Mm -hmm. and i think that the way they might want to like signal themselves as being a part of this movement um might be in things that people did before where Mm -hmm. maybe they don't wear makeup um because like they don't want to appeal to the male gaze that way or maybe they don't do things like shave their legs. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it would be really fun if we see the return of the, the hairy legged feminists mm-hmm. or just like the lesbian it, cowboys. It the the... Yeah. It might not be the same thing for each person, but like something to say, like I'm trying to make personal choices that show that like, I do not just want to conform to what I think is expected of me um, as a woman or as a person like under patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can see that a lot. I was I was gonna say in, in my list, I said like bimboism is out. Um, oh, yeah. People, oh, people were saying himbos are out. And I do think that like the term is out. But I think the practice of giving men Baseline, um, just lauding them for baseline activities of not being a Duke Nukem violent feral creature. Yeah, um, that'll never be.
1: That'll over. never be
0: over. It's just, we love celebrating men for being average. Yeah, we've. It's just like that's that's a tried and true method. It's never going to go out of style until we undo gender altogether. Um, that's just there forever. Himbos are out, but they they're, they're going to find a new way um, to loud men. I think bisexual men are on their way in. I do. Oh, I
1: was going to say bisexual women are out. Bisexual men are they're in. in baby. And I am I'm okay with that. Cuz by women, you had your time in the sun and you are annoying. You did annoying things with it. You were like being bisexual isn't about being a slut. It's about it's
0: like watching watching steven universe with your cis hetero man partner
1: yeah and you know what being bisexual can be about being a slut why not um we need to start embracing Like my discourse will be out because the bi women will be Mm -hmm. out and they're the ones that are doing it the bi men are not doing that yeah you notice those conversations online the men are noticeably absent from it and that's because they're too busy getting hit on by everyone. I've said this. Everyone loves every, a bi everyone man. Everyone loves
0: a bi man. And I, love a bi man. Lo- I love a bi man. I love a bi man. I clocked Casey Frey as a bi man before he even did. <laughs> and I want, I want that on the record that I did that. We, right. we got on Discord, on voice chat um, with a couple other friends. And at some point I said, I want to talk about the bisexual aura of Casey Frey right now. Um, mm-hmm. And that was in... 2020
1: would you cast casey Frey in a gregor rocky movie i would
0: oh absolutely like as a
1: protagonist or as like i think he'd be i think he'd be a
0: beloved side character like the the one that everyone makes the gift sets up they don't care about like the main guy they care about casey like that's yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking
1: the bisexual man it's a he's a superior man yes um Whereas the bisexual woman- It's touch and go. I mean, like she's, you know, sometimes she's better than the straight woman, but sometimes she she might as well be one well, of them. Well, my issue,
0: um, right? And I've said this before to you, um, not on the podcast, but to you generally. We're always
1: complaining We're always complaining bi about people. Bi,
0: bi people because we are bi and we are allowed to do that. Um, yeah. Our problem is that bi people don't talk to each other. And that's why bi women are so annoying if bi men and uh by non-binary people just like stood right next to the bi woman and said hey don't tweet that don't tweet that just talk to us like they're they're just very isolated and it makes me very sad yeah i think that it's a problem of not having friends You can, and you can see it in the way that they talk because they talk about like how they're like the way that they talk about like the discussions that they've been having with friends, it's very clear that they only have straight friends. And like I've, you know, I haven't been there because um, I was, I had very gay friends in high school. But like I understand that like you just came out very recently. Um, you're a little older, and it's harder for you to make friends, and you have a bunch of straight friends, um, and so now you're having basic buy one hundred and one like. C- crash courses with all your straight friends where you tell them what they should and shouldn't say to you. Um, and like, you're so like, Hey, maybe don't use the F slur around me anymore. Um, but the rest of us aren't. And, um, we don't really care. <laughs> I care that you're suffering. I, I, will say,
1: I like, I care if people are experiencing like discrimination yeah. or homophobia or whatever. I care that you're what suffering. I, I don't care. What you don't care about is like, you being valid because you have a boyfriend. Like I don't, I don't care we could- about that. I also think that people need to learn to um, try to put themselves in community with other people mm-hmm. rather than demand, uh, demanding that people accept them into their community. If you are a bi woman, cause it's usually women and you only have straight friends and you want to get online and complain that the LGBTs are so mean and they don't let you in their the club. The mean
0: lesbians, the mean little dykes. Maybe don't like instead it. of doing
1: that, like, go uh, out into the world. There are tons of like LGBT community groups, even in really small towns, um, and like do things. <laughs> and from there, you will make friends because I. I think we've we've totally talked about this a million times, but like every time I've dated a man, um, I've never felt like I was then like excommunicated from the LGBT community, and that's because those people remained my friends and the people that I spent time with, regardless of who my partner was. Yeah. If your sexual like orientation became less valid, um, anytime you entered in a partnership that is literally like a significant part of the definition of being bisexual, Uh, (laughs) like being bisexual does mean being attracted to men sometimes. So like, obviously it's going to happen for a person. Um, Then it it just like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense if people were just like thrown out of the LGBT yeah, I don't community, like where the discourse is right now. If you don't feel valid, it might be because you've got some personal insecurity mm-hmm. that you've got to work through. And uh, that's that's like for you and for your journal, um, and for your
0: friends, maybe. Yeah, I mean like it's let's not for the rest of the let's world. Let's be honest. When you get online on mm-hmm. Twitter and you complain that none of us like your boyfriend. Um, I know why we don't like your boyfriend. Bad it's vibes. very, it's very obvious that it's because your boyfriend has bad vibes and it's not us. I don't like where the, com- where the discourse is right now. It's, it's still very young. I feel like the, the, the audience of people who are complaining about bi women is very young. So like some of the, like, unlike us, so some of the things that they're saying, I think are just like, not as well informed. Like some, some of the discussion is around like whether or not you center men in your relationship, which just becomes like that's just that's that's such a tricky territory to get into about like whether or not you center a man in your relationship, because like there are people who aren't women who center men in their relationships. There are gay men who exist. There's like okay. uh, it's just like it, like that's I've got the messy one last part. thing. One last thing about
1: the bi women, I need you to not say that you uh, hate all men like aesthetically, mm-hmm. and that you're not attracted to any of them and that all of them are ugly mm. except for your boyfriend mm. um, and that he's the only one. Yes, Disgusting. That is just not true. We know it's not true. It's, it's categorically false. Um, we also really don't. Some, some men are hot. Yeah. Like we all know this. If you are attracted to men, you're probably attracted to more people than just your goblin boyfriend. And usually the person who is the exception is not worth like the title of being called anyone's exception. Like he's not he's not like giving us um, like peak man. He's just a guy. So we have to retire that you don't need to like qualify why you're dating a man. It's like, it's literally so fine to be a woman in a relationship with a man. It's very normal. Um, I mean, the other, <laughs> And I don't need to hear how thing, ugly you think all men are, the, it's fine. The other
0: thing I don't want to hear any more of, um, because it's personal and it's private, it's for you. I don't want to hear any more about like how your boyfriend is cheering you on while you objectify women. I don't want to hear oh, any more about you how you can. forlornly you hate your boyfriend and you actually want to date a woman. Um, go do that. Don't talk to me about yeah, it. I think
1: if you <laughs> feel... If you feel truly in your heart that you are not attracted to any man and that being with your boyfriend is a little bit of a hardship because you don't even find him that attractive and you're only into women, you might not be bisexual (laughs) and that is okay. That's a
0: tough conversation to have,
1: but it's okay. You feel like you just need to say out loud that you're not ever interested in any men even though you're dating one, but you feel like this is something that you have to say to- um, All of us. (laughs) Demonstrate your bisexuality to everyone. You don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, the, the one relationship that I like between a cis man and a cis woman, it's the two bisexuals. You can totally tell mm-hmm. every single time. You can you clock can. it. But and is it's that's so also, cute.
1: my friends, it's not an LGBT relationship.
0: Nope. No, it is it not. It is a
1: straight relationship with two people yes. who are in the LGBT it's, community. It's an important distinction. Unhing. Do not say that your relationship is gay no. than, or, or especially gayer than other people's. Yeah. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. Just Just like your boyfriend. It's fine. Normalize liking your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Speaking of men that are hot, um, this is not a trend, uh, but I think that like Al Pacino, like a young Al Pacino, very sexy. That's a that's a man that I would be bisexual for. Is he
0: bisexual? I mean, I he's Italian. Yeah. If you're Italian and you're not, if you're an Italian man and you're not bisexual. Like, gold
1: I mean, if you're an Italian man and you're reading. not
0: bisexual, like revoke your Italian card. Like actually though. Yeah. <laughs> like grow up. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Um, we we got a little bit off track, but on the topic of people that are sexy, mm-hmm. I think that the sex positivity movement, which was like already on its last dregs, I think it's, it's fully out now but not uh, in favor of anything good mm. i think that we um have already like heard some of the talking points from certain um self-proclaimed dating experts about how like casual sex is demeaning to women it's always about like the women involved and it's always about heterosexual sex but that like casual sex is demeaning to women it makes you look desperate that, like, it, you know, like, kind of going back to, like, the same, like, dating maxims from, like, the 90s and the 80s about, uh, like, if you have sex with someone on the first date, like, they're going to think less of you and it doesn't do anything for you. um, And that, like, you need to be a little bit more guarded with yourself sexually um, in order to get respect from your dating partners. And I think that this, like, comes in, uh, like, an understandable and, like, correct backlash to the sex positivity movement Mm -hmm. that, like, falsely proclaimed that you um, will always, like, feel good about yourself, and it will always be, like, a good choice um, for you to, like, do things sexually and, like, be sexually available to people that are interested in you or that you're interested in um, and to like do things that you haven't heard of or that someone is like introducing to you. Um, And that if you're like proud of yourself or that you love yourself, then like you will do these things and like not being sexually like open or available in these ways is like a sign of insecurity or a sign of like internalized misogyny or something. And I think all of that was like, very damaging mm-hmm. to a lot of people that like had their formative sexual like like years in in that moment and i think that the backlash to it where now it's like doing this is demeaning
0: to yourself that makes sense now like <laughs> but uh, both are both are bad mm-hmm. um <laughs> if we got both are ba- we're starting to head towards a more puritanical
1: uh, version yeah. of
0: everything i mean we're we're I, I've said this before and we'll probably do a whole episode on like FOSTA SESTA and it's like repercussions, but, um, and we're, we're going to, we should probably do an episode on the the Tumblr iOS censorship at some point. Cause that's, that's Ugh. been very interesting. Um, I think things are just going to get super weird for sex yeah, overall. I feel like bans
1: suggestivity mm-hmm. and like nudity and like, OnlyFans is definitely
0: going to start feeling oversaturated to people soon. Mm-hmm. And that, so, that's the thing I, is that the, yeah. the, the problem, I think some people wouldn't see a problem with the censorship of sexuality and nudity on the internet, um, especially, you know, I think some older millennials are starting to get on top of it because, uh, or, or get on board with the idea of banning things simply because they're starting to have children. And so they're, they're thinking of the children, um, but I don't think people realize um, how like deep of a hole that becomes because of what it's doing is that like the, the thing with a lot of this like um, banning of sexuality and, and, and sensuality on the internet um, is that it's being done by algorithm and it's being done by committee. Um and those committees are um and those algorithms are completely imperfect. So if you're fully clothed on the internet, um your like your entire account could still be completely banned, um, simply because you're wearing something that the algorithm has deemed too sexual. And if we get down yeah. that rabbit hole of what is deemed too like, and it's the same with discourse and it's the same. Or with if you have a, a body type
1: that um or or like a body that is like more sexualized either Mm -hmm. because like maybe you aren't cis or because like you aren't sin um like it's going to be flagged as being um just
0: generally like more suggestive or more sexual even from a even from a racial perspective there have been quite a few studies in the past couple years done about how um, certain bodies are perceived over the internet um, depending on their race. And it's often like, you know, black and Asian bodies are perceived as much more sexual by algorithms than other bodies. Like that's like, because those are the body types that have been fetishized. So it's, it's a deep, deep rabbit hole that once you start like allowing it to, if you, if you allow even a little bit to happen, it like the entire thing comes crumbling down on everyone. The effect is felt everywhere and that's what sex workers said when foster sesta was passed um, and that's what we're saying now
1: like <laughs> yeah I mean when when Sister fosta foster was passed like people said over and over that it was going to push sex workers like off of online and into the streets not that it was going to like um, eliminate any unsafe situations but that it was going to like move unsafe situations that were happening online like, into a place where it can't be monitored at all. And it was going to move people who like were safe into a place where they are now unsafe because they are like only working in person. I think that the same thing is going to happen as like sex, suggestiveness, like nudity, sexuality, like discussions of sex are all just like banned from the internet where like, I don't think it was good for me that I learned so much about sex from the internet um, in, in like the unfiltered way that I did. I don't think it's going to be good for people that they won't be able to learn anything at all um, on the internet. And it's going to like push them into spaces in person um, where maybe they don't have anyone to talk to and then like are unsafe or have bad things happen to them because they aren't aware of like how to be safe or, like, how to develop boundaries for themselves, um, or are given like very bad
0: advice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you're seeing it, it now, like, it's going to be um, often with, difficult. You're seeing it now a yeah. lot with um, a lot of people giving tutorials on how to be a sugar baby and like how to like make money um, doing sex work once you immediately turn 18. And it's just one of those things that um, it's it went it, it like we said before, it's a byproduct of like the choice feminism shit. Um, where it's like, you're uh, you're telling people who have just freshly become legal adults that um, they should get into dangerous situations and you're giving them absolutely no um, warning, you're giving them no prep, and you're basically telling them um, that they should just jump headfirst into this very dangerous situation. And at the same time, you're telling teenagers that they should censor their feet online um, because sometimes people might find some sexual gratification in that um
1: yeah it's going to be very annoying being like an anti sex positivity like anti-porn like pro-sex worker person (laughs) yeah pro-sex worker person because like we are going to get lumped in with the freaks and um you're like it's it's just going to be a lot of work to like distinguish the difference between the sexual like puritanicalness that's happening versus like a legitimate critique of sex positivity, which is really too bad because I think that there's a lot that we could learn from that movement. I don't think all of it was bad. No. Um, but I think a lot of it was harmful. And I think that like swinging the pendulum fully
0: the other way is like going to be equally harmful yeah, I mean, just in different The ways. unfortunate part is that I think, um, like, in a societal, like, structural sense, we're still very much a conservative culture. But in, like, a much more social sense, we've become a lot more of, like, an open discourse kind of culture. Um, And those two Mm -hmm. things are still very much, like, clashing and conflicting. Um,
1: I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. Speaking of sex stuff... This one, I don't know if you can respond to this, but uh, Asian guys are the new black guys for white girls with fetishes. Um, remember in the early 2000s and the mid-2010s when every uh, annoying white girl wanted a black boyfriend because she thought, I don't know, like that like hip-hop was really cool. And I think that people, even if they didn't want to like verbally acknowledge it like did know on some level that like black people were responsible for like every cool like cultural output that was happening at that time mm-hmm. and so everyone just like you know they wanted a piece it was mostly white women with black men not so much the other way a lot around of celebrities I would
0: say like there was a lot of celebrity yeah. couples like that
1: the, the black man's time in the sun with white women uh, is over um, it's about Asian guys now Uh, i think i think k-pop's responsible for that oh absolutely and and like k-dramas the amount of um and like also just like the rise of the weeb the amount of women i knew from
0: anime club in high school that have now gotten on facebook and said that they are taking a year to go teach korean
1: Hmm. the women are doing oh yeah that's so oh yeah big time so big time they're all going
0: to korea and they're gonna teach english um And you know why they're trying to get their MRS degree overseas. And like, that's that,
1: yeah, like, yeah, Asian guys are the new black guys. I think we're going to,
0: do you think we're going to see some like celebrity couples that embody this trend? Or are you thinking like, obviously the K-pop guys are like, they have a contract that like locks them down from dating altogether a lot of the time. Um, but I don't know about like, like Western couples that will embody this in some way. Um. Yeah, that's. I. I don't have a lot to say on this point. I do know that uh, our friend Janae <laughs> has been um, sending us a lot of links of a lot of these uh, women on TikTok who are fantasizing mm-hmm. about having a mixed race baby with um K-pop uh, stars. I love
1: fantasizing about mixed babies. Uh, okay, and then the white guys—they're not exempt. They used to be um, really into Asian girls, and that was their thing for mm. a long time. And it was because they, I think, they learned somewhere on, like, Reddit or something that, like, Asian women are more submissive and, like, going to do whatever they want and more pliable than, like, white American women. Obviously, that's, like, you know, not true. And I think that they've had the past few years to figure out that um, the Asian women that they have been fetishizing are people and are, like, just as likely to tell them to fuck off as probably more than a white woman would. Yeah. White women do love to stick by they, their they men. They love tolerating um, so I think that men for a
0: long, long, yeah, of so time. Yeah, so I think
1: they've gotten over it. They're over the Asian girls, and they've moved on to light-skinned Latinas. Ugh. That's the new frontier. Um, I take no pleasure in reporting this, but it's, it's happening. Look out for it, friends. Um, white guys with Latina girlfriends... Oh. Astrology's falling off also. That's next.
0: <laughs> you you think it's falling off? That's disappointing for you. Yeah. Not right now. Not right now. I mean, not for me. Do you think um
1: I think that we're we're shifting mm-hmm. from like spirituality that's personal and that's like practiced by yourself and maybe like in conversation with friends to um organized religion once more
0: i've been seeing a um, lot of like um people making businesses around making readings um and i've been seeing mm-hmm. some internal drama based on that where they're like giving oh, out yeah. readings the that are, astrologers
1: are always fighting with each yeah. other um but i think like uh astrology is it's a it's a very old form of spirituality and it's been practiced by people all throughout the world for a very long time but the way that it's like currently practiced in the United States in a mainstream way is like a personality quiz Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that was probably enough for a lot of people who just wanted like a like a little bit of spirituality in in their lives but like not too much but for people who are now um, you know coming out of like a mass death event and like mass disabling event and also have like not spent a lot of time in real community with other people are going to be looking for that and i think that for many people what's going to feel most right is like a return to um like maybe whatever religion their family practiced that they didn't spend that much time in or like the religion of a friend Or, like, maybe they're going to get evangelized by someone because you
0: you know that the Mormons
1: are going to be out and looking for people. Like, (laughs) they've already been
0: sending, they've been sending handwritten, Jehovah's Witnesses have been sending handwritten letters to uh, my apartment for over a year now. I could
1: never be a Jehovah's Witness. I love my birthday so much. I love my birthday. I love celebrating my birthday. I love my birthday. I love Halloween. I can't, could not, yeah, could not happen. And yeah, I don't think that this will be like, um, necessarily bad for everyone but i think it's going to align with like people becoming a little bit more like politically apathetic politically conservative also Mm -hmm. depending on what religion they join but i think people are like they're looking for rituals they're looking for community um they're like looking to feel like they are a part of something much bigger than themselves and i think that the very personal and individual way that like astrology is practiced um by most people right now is just like not delivering on that Mm -hmm. this is why we're seeing so many people who i don't think that they're actually doing it Mm -hmm. i don't think that they're actually converting to catholicism because i know that it it takes a year you got to go to school for a year you have to um do five of the sacraments within the year and then you have to take a test And then you have to like recite the Nicene Creed in front of the entire congregation. I know that there's no way that all of these people who are now posting about going to Latin mass um, (laughs) have converted to Catholicism within like the past three or four months. First of all, okay. The Latin mass is in Latin. Do you speak Latin? (laughs) Because why would you want to go to mass um, for the religion that you just joined in a language that you don't understand? What are you getting out of the mass? I could go to Latin mass if I wanted to because I was raised Catholic mm-hmm. and mass is like it's the same structure every time. So at this point, I know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And so I would like understand what's going on no matter what language it's in. But if you're brand new, why do you want to go to service in a language that you don't speak? Don't you want to learn what the priest has to say? Why are you, are you here? What, what, what are, you there, are you just doing there? Are there to stand in a group of people and and like to post later that they've like returned to tradition? <laughs>
0: I see. I see the false Catholics, <laughs> um, and I don't care for them. Jumping off of things that will. Um... Like communities that will form via COVID, or like the communities that people will want because they've been so isolated for so long. I think they're going to need a lot of restructuring, right? Um, Because they just had a bunch of like kind of big documentaries come out about them. Um, But MLMs are going to make a much bigger comeback, but they're going to be they're going to need restructuring. Like I said, they're going to need to rebrand themselves. I think to even be a little more trendy a little more hip right now they're kind of they've kind of gone for the um the sort of like farmhouse chic you know hgtv utah crowd and i think they're going to try to pivot towards the coasts but they're going to have to be a lot more like on vogue on trend um and be they're going to have to use more like They're going to have to use more hyper specific language. I think they're going to have to go for something like this is about fostering community between women and BIPOC and blah 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 blah. They're going to have to really get into like an idea that this is like a movement and not just like this is you as a suburban mom starting your own business so that you can be independent and then you get to connect with other moms, you know, because you don't have that like I think it's going to like it's okay. you're going to have to go for a, like a younger ish like millennial single crowd rather than the moms who like the people who want so, to work from home, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think the other thing that's going to happen in response to organized religion coming back in a big way. I was thinking about this. And you're not going to like it, Kendall. Oh. And I'm sorry edgy atheism oh making making an imminent return oh and it's gonna be worse oh. than the time before because do you remember like the christian versus atheist debates painful <laughs> so imagine those happening but on like twitch
0: oh. or on like
1: tiktok duets oh. like imagine people doing like christian versus atheist debates but like over oh. i don't know what are the games that people play
0: um fucking among us
1: (laughs) yeah sure um and, and i think that like it'll mostly be atheists fighting christians because i think that the like majority of people who in the like coming year decide to get like back into organized religion are going to become some kind of christian so that'll be like what the atheist backlash in response to but like muslims will get in on it a little bit like there will be some atheist versus, mu- versus muslim debates i think that jewish people are gonna mostly be left out of that they gotta mind their business um, yeah but it's it's gonna happen and then there's gonna be like atheist groups because again these people are also looking for a community like being like an avowed atheist is is I, I don't know if it's fair to call it a kind of religion in its own way, but it is like a dogmatic belief system. Um, you know, if you like didn't care, like you would you would just be like chilling if you like found out that someone was a Christian or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like people that are like avowed atheists, like they want to evangelize you too, mm-hmm. um, and it's gonna it's gonna happen. They're going to be back. They're going to be checkmating us and like doing like, if this is so true, then like explain, explain this Christian. And it's going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of funny, but it will mostly be bad. Yeah. Um, And I think like for the people who don't get into organized religion, there's still going to be like this desire to be a part of like groups that connect them to something larger than themselves so cults mm-hmm.
0: cults, coming, cults back coming back in a big way big, big way that's kind of what i was thinking uh, at with the mlms <laughs> thing but like like i said like yeah
1: i guess like an mlm is a kind of yeah. cult for sure and i think like fandoms are also part of the culture oh, which is like i think why we're just seeing like more intensified like stands and like stand groups and stuff because it is also a way of like forming community and feeling like you're connected to something very large i think that while many people like will not go this route like there will be some people who become like very politically radical for the same reason and join some kind of like political group too Mm -hmm. but just like people are going to be latching on to different things that are structured and that are like a part of um like a community rather than something that is like personal and individual um and it'll be it'll be five it'll be mostly a lot of bad stuff um yeah
0: mostly mostly i think ketamine is gonna (laughs) become mainstream (laughs) i do think i do think the k-hole has been um Climbing yeah, its we're way normalizing yeah.
1: ketamine. We're normalizing ketamine. I think people are going to start talking about microdosing ketamine in like a public way, and like it's going to be regular ass people who are talking about microdosing ketamine. Mm-hmm. I think weed is falling off. Unfortunate
0: for me, um, but also kind of good for me. It means well, the price will so go down. Like
1: you can't do it anymore, but I think it's it's maybe more like, you know, the the stoner as a character. Is maybe going to become a relic of the past. Yeah, like, I just it, I don't like, see it happening as as it becomes legal. And more bourgeois. Like, to weed have is just weed. like a thing that you do. Yeah, you know, it's less of like a it's not a countercultural it thing, is. and you don't really need to like make it an aspect of your personality when it's just like a thing that you can get at the store, as I said, rather
0: than a thing that like defines you from other people. As I said in the last episode, my partner is a teacher, and their principal was asking like, cause they were doing a workshop on like mental health. Cause obviously teachers are at the, on the break right now. Um, and he said something of like, Oh, what do you guys do to unwind? Cause like some of us like drink wine or some of us like watch a TV show or some of us smoke weed. Like it was much more of like, it's considered the, the unwinding pastime. Now I'm imagining a Don Draper character, coming through the front door of his home and his wife being like mm-hmm. welcome home darling he has a spliff and then like giving him a fucking giant joint while he sits down in his smoking jacket and his fucking slippers and ignores the children for the rest of the night
1: <laughs> we will never be glamorous i'm sorry there's just something about it that like I think it's it's I don't know. It just oh, doesn't look as cool this as glamorous. like smoking a
0: cigarette. I'm not saying this. But is Don glamorous. Draper is glamorous. He's glamorous, but I'm saying this in a in like the the '50s, ignoring the children, the wife has an Adderall addiction yeah. kind of way. It's like not mm-hmm. sexy, is what
1: I'm saying. Oh wow. Okay. All right. On the note of substances, alcohol mm. is going to become less popular for young people. Yes. Um, and i think psychedelics are already becoming like i mean they're already like pretty normalized but like even more so um in a way that is like meant to be used as an alternative to like mm-hmm. ssris um, anxiety medication and stimulants like n- and then also like not in a microdosing way in a macrodosing way like have a spiritual experience on this once and like cure your depression mm-hmm. and this Is happening in relation to a thing that i know is going to happen but i'm also going to find it very annoying is um you're going to start hearing people telling you to read capitalist realism it's going to it's going to become uh, ubiquitous it's going to (laughs) become just a, a thing that you expect to hear is someone asking you oh have you read capitalist realism yet you should read capitalist realism and from there is going to be the plummeting of the mental health <laughs> awareness market. <laughs> um, you know, where people start talking about how mental health is like a product of your environment, which is true. Sometimes what Mark Fisher wasn't able to do in the book, capitalist realism um, is use uh, citations and mm-hmm. um, but also because the book is like pamphlet, pamphlet length, it's just, it's not going that in depth into this idea that I think is, it has like a lot of merit to it that um, certain things like anxiety and depression and like also mental disorders like ADHD um, or PTSD, like these things like happen sometimes in response to environmental factors um, that are caused by like oppression or capitalism, um, or you know, like something else that's bad, and that if like those environmental factors were changed, you might not be depressed anymore. Mm-hmm. And so maybe like instead of just treating those issues individually and giving individual people medication, we should organize for a better future so that people are not like given depression mm-hmm. by these conditions. that's true sometimes some people also just
0: like do have depression Um, (laughs) some people also (laughs) have a chemical imbalance in their brain um you know like i think like Like, the thing is is that like the 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 issue is that there's a response and an infrastructure surrounding mental illness that is the issue that um causes a lot of strain not the issue but it causes a lot of like strain on um and exacerbates a lot of mental health symptoms you know like the the Mm. idea of ADHD basically runs completely um incongruent with the idea of being a good worker um so getting the kind of treatment that you need and the kind of leeway not even leeway but like um support that you need from your workplace um in order to be um functioning and happy um, is just not something that will be given to you. Um, a lot of the, like, mental health talks surrounding workplaces, um, is so unbelievably surface level. It's, like, almost verging on parody. Um, you know, I think, like, I said in my list that I think self-care as a term is on its way out as we start to get more into, um, like, the idea of, um, getting rid of commodification as people, as the recession looms ever closer and so on and so forth. Um, I also said that physical media is coming back by that. I mean, mostly for music. Uh, I'm not sure about, um, I think streaming's still like big, I think it's actually going to get bigger, unfortunately, um, as like movie theaters move their way out. Um, also zines. zines, zines, I think. Now is a good time to start a zine
1: if you want to start a zine because people are going to want to read your zine in like four months. Limited run print media is going to be a cool thing. I want to like go back a little bit to the mental health Mm -hmm. thing because I think that this is a good example of like how you can do trend forecasting yourself if you want to do it. Um, A lot of these things are like backlashes or responses to like things that have reached a saturation point and so you can like look at the past hmm, like five to like eight years and see that the way that people have talked about mental health uh raising awareness for mental health but like i don't know like i still don't really know what that means um or self-care um or like normalizing uh Anxiety and depression, mostly, not really anything besides those two, have they've like reached a point where it no longer feels meaningful to people, even like people who might be, um, like helped or moved by those things. Like it now has gotten to a point where it just feels like perfunctory and, um, like hollow. It almost seems like a and thing so... that you are
0: just required to do, um, in order yeah. to pass some kind of like liability clause like i i the thing that really pisses similar to like the
1: the diversity mm-hmm. and equity training and so i like i think that then people start looking for different answers because the problem is still there of like we we do have like a like a mental illness sort of like crisis mm-hmm. right now where there's like so many people that do have like anxiety or depression and like there are many people that are like being diagnosed with different kinds of personality disorders and like different attention related disorders we've, and things we've seen that a are lot like of
0: dog shit on
1: the spectrum
0: we've that. seen a lot of dog shit discourse surrounding adhd from people who just got diagnosed this year because surprise surprise they found it hard to focus when they were isolated in their own home um
1: right so <laughs> when the like The like whole self care solution or raising awareness solution doesn't feel like it's addressing the problem anymore for people, but the problem still exists, like they're gonna look for something else. And yeah, I like, I just wish it was a different book. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you're gonna hear a lot in the next year people saying you should read. Capitalism, mm. and people encouraging other people to go off their medication because actually you're not really mentally ill. Like it's just a product of your environment, which I think like really misunderstands what uh, mental illnesses and like disorders are because they're just like observed, sim- like they're just words for observed symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, like nothing, like intrinsically is like inside you. Like there's not like a little like light up node on your brain that's like you have the, a very specific kind of depression. Yeah. Like it is just like a set of observed symptoms that gets a diagnosis. It fits an umbrella that like multiple people might have, and like people might have this thing for different reasons. Um, yeah. But I think that like because there is a lack of understanding around that. And people are like wanting to find a way to cure these things, or to like relieve themselves of um, like the things that they're experiencing. We're going to move to a different solution besides like just practice self care. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's going to be like there there will be like a push to like go off your medication and like try to change your environment or just like be aware that the only reason that you feel this way is because it's a product of your environment um Uh, yeah that'll be be kind of bad for some people um but i think my oh okay i was interested in your thoughts on this because i'm not really a film person oh i have a lot of i have a lot of
0: movie ones actually um thank god
1: (laughs) okay my only thing was that i think like more artsy and slower films, like people are gonna want those. I don't know if they're gonna happen until like mm-hmm. maybe not even twenty twenty three, maybe like twenty twenty four. But like the desire for less like blockbusters. Oh, style absolutely, movies. absolutely. And then my other thing related to that is that I don't think that the like Marvel world um, or the DC world that they're going to stop being popular. But I think that they're going to start existing in the same place in the zeitgeist that, like, the Big Bang Theory did or, like, does. Um,
0: And that's all I have for, like, film stuff. All right. So I absolutely think that you are correct in assuming that um, Marvel's not going to get less popular, but I think over... Like, it's not going to make... Like nothing's gonna tank at the box office, right? But I think things will start to dwindle. Like the the financial like gain of of Marvel will will stop being so all-encompassing. They'll start to realize, like, oh, we made a little less money on this one and that one. Um, isn't that strange and weird? Um, and people are going to start wanting like slower film. I think they're one of the things I said is um. In, in terms of horror movies, I think we're going to start seeing a comeback towards zombies and vampires. Um, we're going to start seeing the monster movie. I love that. Yeah, the monster movie is vampires making a comeback. In. The, big, the big monster movie. Um, but I think especially with zombies and vampires, um, the connection is obvious. The idea of an infection. I think werewolves could also fall into this a bit. Um, the idea of an infection being passed around um, the paranoia surrounding those things, this, this nebulous thing that causes a lot of different people to, um, become something and change and become different. Cause even the after effects of COVID, right. Um, for people who survived are so untenable. A lot of people can't taste or smell things permanently, um, or things taste so bad that they can't eat. A lot of people are having breathing problems. A lot of people are permanently disabled, and I think we'll start seeing these monsters as allegories for disability again. We're going to start seeing them as disability, as metaphors for illnesses um, and the paranoia surrounding that. The, the public's reaction, very similar to old school Frankenstein or even like some old school werewolf movies where there's an angry mob and an angry village that wants them out because of the fear that they hold and the discrimination that they hold against those people, um, for being ill. Um, I think that's going to be a big one. Um, I think, and plus I just think the emo revival in terms of just like aesthetics is happening. So I feel like vampires are like a no brainer for that. Um, I'm hoping with the, again, I support this. I'm hoping with the resurgence of zombies because zombies were so, in my mind, they're so integral to epic bacon culture. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't make a resurgence, but I definitely think it's well, going I think, to.
1: I think epic bacon culture is totally kind it's of It's coming
0: back. back, it's coming back and I know it. I do think um, documentary filmmaking is on its way in, um, but it's gonna be a very specific kind of narrative um, uh, because I think that more people are gonna want to watch more real things. I think escapism is kind of on its way out, um, just because like the there's a level of discourse surrounding like the idea of making like a seventy five million dollar film um, while people are dying and violating the workers' rights of your uh, of your fellow uh, employees um, in order to make that film and killing them um, is a big one uh, that's like kind of come into. Conversation in the past, like couple years, um, because of COVID. So I think that's also a big thing that's going to be happening. But I think that the specific type of documentary filmmaking that I want to, that I think is going to be coming back, honestly, um, and it's going to be more in the comedy circuits for a while. It already has been um, cinema verite, which is it is a French term, which I know you hate, um, but it is a it's a form of like observational cinema. That was mostly um, inspired by Ziga Vertov's theory of like Kino Pravda, which is the idea of um, when you like view, like the idea of viewing something through a lens um, that kind of allows you to see the world as it is. Ziga had, <laughs> Vertov had a very like um, lofty idea of how like the, the camera can like peel back the layers and reveal the truth of what someone wants um, and their desires and their needs. Um, and he's not completely wrong. I mean, Z- cinema verite is very much about that. You can see this in films like Great gardens and films that allowed the subject, um, to take a lot of like uh, narrative, um, pull through and a lot of like narrative authority. Um, and allowed them to kind of like, just speak without a lot of narration, without a lot of like explanation or context, um, from the filmmaker themselves. Um, it's kind of over time, it's become a, a platform or a genre in which people start um, observing the different like it, it's, it's about observing the overlap between like, what someone wants to be portrayed about themselves, and what is actually being portrayed, and the power dynamic of having a camera, you can see this in things like um, th- my favorite, um, Nathan for you, (laughs) which is like one of my favorite things from the past couple years. Um, I think that I do think it's a little more mean spirited, um, in the way that it portrays people. Um, the newer version of that, that Nathan Fielder also produced, um, is how to with John Wilson, which is making a lot of waves in the critics, um, sphere. And I think that points to what you were talking about with slow cinema. It's a very like slow and awkward show. Um, it's very much about this guy named John Wilson, who's a documentarian, who kind of goes on these like little journeys through New York and then through other places um, to kind of observe um, the nuances and the the, the sort of sur- surreal nature in which we live. Um, like for example, there's a whole episode he does on scaffolding and scaffolding is a very, while it's something that you can see everywhere, it's something that's very unique to New York and that like every single um, area of New York has scaffolding covering um, sidewalk under buildings. And that's for a lot of different reasons. It's for liability reasons. Um, somebody in the 70s got hit with a brick and died. Um, and then it kind of develops further into this idea of like, well, scaffolding isn't always good for people with disabilities. And then he goes to a scaffolding conference. He talks to people at, a, at like this big scaffolding conference who all believe that scaffolding is great because uh, it makes the money. And then it's at it's in New Orleans. Um, and around that same time in 2019, um, he drove past the Hard Rock Hotel Cafe, which was undergoing serious renovations. And then he gets home that week. And the Hard Rock Hotel Cafe collapsed and killed uh, five people. And those people could not be uh, recovered. I remember this story very specifically uh, when it happened. Those people could not be recovered for weeks. Um, and they had put up a tarp to cover up the very visible dead bodies and that tarp got taken down and there was quite a bit of time where um they basically had to debate of like how are they going to take down this structure safely with that like and the only way they could figure it out was by very systemically uh demolishing it through via dynamite um and at the end of this episode he goes into this very powerful statement of like I drove past that and I thought about scaffolding again, and I realized that scaffolding wouldn't ever even help in this kind of situation. This isn't something that, like while it can help in these like minute situations, it causes more harm than good. Um, And in the end, uh, even in these like drastic situations of capitalism where something collapses on top of several people and kills them, the structure of capitalism is so unstable That they can't even like do the right thing and memorialize those people for fear of destroying others around them. Um, And I just thought that was like literally, it fucking hit me like a truck so hard. I love this series. If you, um, you know, have an HBO Max account or if you want to torrent something, I would really (laughs) highly recommend watching it. Um, And I do think it's pointing towards this kind of like awkward, weird, alternate like, documentary filmmaking, I think, is pointing to, like, a, a bigger um, trend that's going to move forward is the idea of, like, filming things that are real, but filming things that are a little more, like, uh, minute, because I feel like right now the documentary filmmaking is mostly about, like, true crime, which is, like, honestly kind of a snore, or, like, cults, um, at least the ones that are, like, platformed on streaming services, and I'm looking forward, I think, towards a, a bigger trend of, of filming the everyday, um, because I think we all kind of are looking forward to that um, and looking towards that more in each other, especially even on social media, you're seeing a lot of people romanticizing their lives and romanticizing their everyday and their mundane and making these little vlogs. And I think that we're moving towards that. And I think it's positive, honestly, in the end. Um, some of it's like commodification, some of it's aesthetics. But then some of it is very real, and some of it's really observational, and I'm excited for it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think that that's a that's a good note to close us on, yeah. which you know puts us at only two Woo-hoo! hours. We, we, did, we it. did it. We did we it. We did it. Um, a part three is coming. Yes. We have so much to talk about because we missed we you. Missed you. Um, and you know, once again, do the thing where you leave us a review we want we want them mm-hmm. we want them so bad um and then also uh follow us on social media and i think that yeah. that's like leave us a review it, on spotify you know?
0: now leave us a review on apple um because those help us get uh farther in the dreaded uh, almighty algorithm so help us with that um, follow us on social media. We're Big Soy Naturals everywhere. Send us an email. Send us whatever you want to send us um, to bigsoypodcast at gmail.com. We give you guys so many prompts. Send us
1: a photo yes. of yourself in a quarter inch suit. <laughs> I want to see one. I want to see one so bad. Um, that's yeah. That's my only request of you, and yet no one is fulfilled. We give it, you guys so many prompts, and I think we've on only ever
0: gotten one email. And I I just think maybe you guys are shy. That's literally not <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: You're very much under-exaggerating <laughs> the amount of emails, which I guess, like, maybe would make people feel yeah. bad, but I'm we need more them. emails. Um, okay, that's all. all right. Goodbye. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. Coffee is one of my favorite tastes. I don't want smoke, I just want to smoke When I hit the pipe, I'm of of smoke, bad, like to to white Not only that, the I balls don't. smell amazing Yeah, like green because it makes me lean And I smoke high because I'm blowing clouds women, When, when I high, then it's time to smoke cemented. There I'm are dangerous people Like, people. I cannot when I get point, it far I enough down blood. my throat to be I satisfied like, give a I don't want smoke I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat smoke, I just want to smoke This is a
0: certified big soy naturals classic.